0: Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. Some of you will remember back in the 1960s. Should I ask you to give me a wave if you're alive in the 1960s? Ah, yeah, oh, yeah, there you go. Proud of it as well. Um, so back in the 1950s and 60s, it was the space age, hey? The space age, and, and back then the Soviet Union and America were on a ra- they were racing, racing to see who could get to space first, um, and, and get to the moon. And the Soviets actually sent a manned uh, space mission out first. The Soviets got there first. Um, And part of their thing was just to see if God was up there. So they publicized it. They said, we're going to space. We're going to send one of our cosmonauts out there. And he'll remain tethered to the ship. And he'll float around and look around um, where God is supposed to be, up in the heavens, and he'll report back whether he sees him or not. And it was all just part of their propaganda to try to explain that, you know, explain to everyone that God didn't exist. And sure enough, he made it up into space. The cosmonaut tethered out. He looked around and he declared, now, Dave, I'm really nervous now because I'm not going to do it right. That's, that's my best attempt at Russian. But for those of you that don't speak Russian, sorry, Dave Howarth, wherever you are, um, he's saying there's no God up here. There's no God. And it was the headline of the Soviet newspaper. But how many of you know that if he'd unhooked that tether he would have found God that day? Just saying. Just saying. But Russian cosmonauts aside, I think that we can all end up with some doubts sometimes. I think we can all find ourselves doubting God. And we're going to look at a guy in the Bible today called Peter. Um, And Peter faced some doubts. He did often face doubts in his life. And we're going to look in Matthew chapter 14 from around verse 24. And it's where the disciples are out on a boat. um, And they're having a bit of trouble because a storm had blown up. And they're far out from the land. And Jesus walked up to them on the water. So if you could imagine this, the disciples are are there, they're in the middle of the lake on a stormy night, in the middle of the night, and they're freaking out at this figure that's moving towards them. And they're going, whoa, is it a ghost? Like you can imagine, hey? And Jesus' voice comes through, through that. No, no, it's just me. It's Jesus walking on the water. And in verse 28, thanks lot, can you flick that? Thank you. In verse 28, Peter cries out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, yes, it's me, come, come. And so Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. Let me give you a little spoiler alert if you're not sure where the story goes next, but Peter actually walked on the water and then Peter sank into the water. And sometimes we have this tendency to say, oh, Peter, he had such little faith. Oh, Peter, come on. But truly, he's the only one that got out of the boat. Let's give Peter some credit. That's actually pretty cool. But in the same way as Thomas that we talked about last week, Peter had the faith to follow Jesus. And it's recorded plenty of times also through the Bible where he struggled in his faith with doubt. Just like some of us, I think we can just be so undaunted sometimes, but I think it's actually a really human experience that we might then struggle at other times. The Bible goes on to say then in that passage, um, Peter was walking on the water towards Jesus but when he saw the strong wind he became afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord save me! And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt? I love that question, why did you doubt? And I want to remind you today that your doubts don't disqualify your faith. Just because you're doubting, even now, it doesn't mean that you're not a believer. And real faith isn't the absence of doubts. I think real faith pushes through the doubts to even greater faith. I'm sure many of you have had spiritual doubts and I know I have. And I think there's a tendency in church circles where people don't have the courage to be that honest though often. Because we might feel afraid of being shamed or looked down on or cast out. People might think that we don't have as much faith as what they thought we did. But I think it's not unusual to go through moments, even seasons of doubt, And most great believers actually do. You've probably heard of C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia series and a, a bunch of other books, but he grew up in the Church of Ireland and he was confirmed and baptized as a child. By 15, he couldn't stand the church, he hated it. He felt like it was so religious and ritualistic, and he actually declared himself at 15 an atheist. I cannot go there, I cannot go back to church, I'm an atheist. And from 15 to 29, when he was aged 15 to 29, he defended his atheism. And he tried actually even to deter people from being part of the church. At 29 years old, old, he met another author. His name was J.R.R. Tolkien. And he's the author of Lord of the Rings and the series and a bunch of books. But J.R.R. Tolkien was a really strong Christian. And he witnessed, meaning he talked about God and about his faith to C.S. Lewis for more than two years. And by the time C.S. Lewis was 31, he ended up becoming a very strong, on-fire Christian out of being an atheist. And he wrote eventually his autobiography about finding Christ. And he was literally one of the most brilliant minds ever, if you've ever read his quotes or his works. He's actually a genius, but he doesn't talk about that. In fact, the title of his book is called Surprised by Joy. He didn't defend his faith with his intellect. He defended it by his experience. It's when he experienced God's presence. He experienced God's peace. And he experienced, he was surprised by the joy that only comes from God despite his strong doubts even to the point of unbelief and in his searching and his trying all the normal things that he thought all those normal things that we we go for that we think will satisfy us he found God and it was the only thing that satisfied him so if you have some spiritual doubts occasionally let me ask you this Why? Why do you doubt? I think it's really interesting to dissect and to discern your doubts. Why would you doubt? Can I be honest and I'll tell you about a time when I had some doubts. It was in a church no less, not here, but one where there were people that I looked up to, that I trusted, that I respected, were publicly shaming, vilifying and undermining the leadership in that church while at the same time the leaders were fighting back it was just ugly and so hurtful to everyone concerned and not like anything you would expect to find in a church it caused me to step back and to say to god God, what is this? This is your house. Like, are you even here? Are you even part of this? What is this? It raised some doubts for me. But it actually caused me to to go back to God and to strive even more to God. My faith actually grew in that season. I think real faith pushes through the doubts to even greater faith. But it's an interesting question. Why do you doubt? There's so many reasons, so many reasons. Situations and hurts and deep personal pain and, and struggle, and there's just so many issues, isn't there, that, that can raise spiritual doubts in us. And Jesus asked Peter that question. Are you of little faith? Why do you doubt? It can almost sound like an accusation if you say it with a different tone of voice. Why are you doubting me? But I think if you consider the character and the nature of Jesus, he's always loving, he's always full of grace, he's always compassionate. What if this question isn't an accusation, but an invitation? What if it's not something that's condemning Peter, but something that's wanting to encourage him. By saying to Peter, hey, why'd you doubt me? I, th- I think, what did Jesus not do? Jesus didn't say, well, go ahead and sing there, you no good, faithless, loser guy. That'll teach you. Imagine. What did Jesus do? He reached out his hand. Someone who is loving reaches out their hand and when Peter was drowning in his doubt Jesus came to him and he met him in that place I think Jesus was smiling I think he was inviting I think he's like hey Peter why'd you doubt what's up come on I'm on the water you're on the water let's be on the water together it's all good you know why'd you doubt me come on And from a loving saviour, I think it's an invitation. And that's why whenever you start to doubt, or someone that you love starts to doubt or struggle, you don't need to panic. It's a time to process, to talk, to explore. It's a time to say, let's talk this through together. Let's keep pushing into Jesus together. I think the thing is, as a church, as a community of Jesus followers, we are here to love people and to love them well. I think one of the ways that we can do this is instead of being the type of people um, that look down at others that might be struggling and go, oh, they mustn't really be a Christian They might have so much sin in their life. Instead of having a kind of negative or judgmental or hateful attitude, let's remember, we're here to show the love and the grace of God. We want to reach out to those who may be struggling with doubts, just as Jesus reached out to Peter and just because they have doubts it doesn't mean they're necessarily losing their faith doubt can be an invitation to pursue jesus to grow into even deeper faith doubt is not the enemy of faith it's often an invitation to a deeper faith can i urge you to wrestle with your doubt don't just shove it under the rug Instead, ask the hard questions. You might have to endure some discomfort. I know some people hate thinking at that level, but, but some soul searching. And look to God's word for the answers. I think the doubt that drives us to wrestle with God, even leaving no stone unturned as, you, as we try to make sense and coherence and reality out of, out of what can happen in our lives, that's doubt that serves our faith. That kind of doubt produces good results. If, like Peter, we're looking to Jesus for answers, our doubt will ultimately lead us to greater faith. When doubting leads to faith, we'll be building like a rock solid faith that's, that's tangible and that's real and that's dependable and founded on truth, and it's actually, it's actually a lifelong process. It's an ongoing, lifelong process of examining our beliefs, of letting go of what's untrue so we can hold on to what is true. It's a courageous spiritual journey, though, to be able to say that. To be able to say, is there anything in me that's contrary to God's heart? and then to be able to let that go so that you can embrace what's true. In fact, I think a season of doubting done well can be like a form of discipleship. That's not usually easy, but it's actually where you're growing closer to Jesus. So. Let's all just let go of what isn't true so that we can hold on to what is true. It sounds easy, right? But how do we do that? And the answer is... The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book. You build your beliefs over the Bible, right? Or do you? I think actually we build our belief systems based on how our church teaches the Bible and I thank God for Lee and Carly and that they're so strong in, in the Bible and their understanding and the knowledge and their teaching gifts that they have, because I'm sure you all know there's actually some pretty uh, different sort of interpretations out there with a different sort of a flair, but, but we, I think we build our belief systems based on how our family interprets the Bible or how our community interprets the Bible, and definitely how our culture interprets the Bible. But no matter how smart you are or what theological degrees you have, we all bring our own filters every time we read the Bible. You can't read it without your own filters. We read it through our family background. We read it through how we were raised we read it through where we were raised, we read it through the type of church we were raised in, or if there was no church at all, and we pick up beliefs as we go along. I think the good news in all of that is that so many of your beliefs are true and and right and good and biblical and God-honoring, but then also because we're all flawed people, not. Everything that we pick up along the way is true. Not everything that we think is important is. I'll give you some examples. Do you want some examples? It's a bit esoteric, isn't it? So when I was growing up, I had friends who weren't allowed to go to the cinema or play card games, or some who couldn't wear pants. Well, well, sorry, the the girls couldn't wear pants. The guys had to wear pants. Girls always just had to wear dresses, you know, Um, with sleeves. And then there were some that weren't allowed to wear makeup or jewellery. And there were some that can't have musical instruments in church. Um, But others where you must have an organ. And um, then others where if you don't have the right musical instruments, then the Holy Spirit won't come. And if you don't play them the right way or loud enough, the Holy Spirit definitely won't fall on you. In some places you have to name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and slap it and nab it and call it to have it or you have to be baptized a certain way, or you must have communion every single week, or you must pray for at least an hour every day. And when I grew up, I wasn't allowed to dance or listen to secular music, and we changed over from actually saying amen to saying amen at the end of our prayers. I'm sure you can add so many more to the list. But as we go through life, we read the Bible and we pick things up And some people add things and some of us ignore bits that we, you know, a bit too hard. But we all have these extremes and we have these narrow little ways of thinking and our preferences and and it can actually just be a bit all over the place. But one day you wake up and you recognise that maybe everything I believe about God may not be true. And when you discover that parts of what you believe are not true, you don't have to leave the faith. You don't have to go into hiding. You can simply just let go of what you find is not true and hold on to what is true. I'll give you an example. It was once doctors who were used to advertise cigarettes. True story. But now it's widely accepted that cigarette smoking is not a healthy behavior. As a society, we've changed places on that. Um, We didn't throw out all the doctors, though. Rather, we just changed our views on that in line with science and research. If you were bitten by a snake in the 1860s, your treatment could have involved a tourniquet around your limb before slicing out the bite site, pouring in ammonia then strychnine, yes strychnine may have been injected directly into your bloodstream before you're urged to drink copious amounts of brandy. This was likely followed, if you're still alive at this point I guess, likely followed by electric shocks to whatever level possible then you would have been marched up and down the hall to keep you active, awake, hopefully alive, but I very much doubt it. And I think when you discover that something that you believe isn't true, you work to unbelieve. We can unbelieve what isn't true and hold on to and pursue what is true. So, how do you build your belief system? Absolutely, through the Bible, yeah. We do do it through the Bible and, but I think it's about coming to the Bible with the most sincere and objective view. Coming to the Bible to hear the heart of an extraordinarily loving God. I think my most simple take on it is to always read the Bible through the lens and the love of Jesus. Read the Bible through the lens of Jesus' love. A great place to start, I think, if you're stuck, is to just go to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Learn about the Son of God, about Jesus. Just stay there. You know, live there. Read read those just over and over. But look at how he loved. Look at how he lived. Look at who he loved. Look at how he treated the outcast and the lonely and the filthy, the sinners and the least of these. And as you're reading that, put it through the lens of Jesus' love. There's that thing that, you know, back in the 90s, a long time ago, 90s, what would Jesus do? Um, that people had WWJD or something like, you know? What would Jesus do? Think of that. A filter, a filter. Reading, reading the Bible. Now, here's Jesus. What would he do? What, would he, what was he thinking? What was he saying? What was he feeling? I think if we all did this, we would realize that our real goal, the ultimate goal of everything, is to be loving. Just like Jesus was loving. And when we can read the Bible through Jesus' lens, I think it's his profound love that stands out. I don't know of anyone that's going to argue with that. For those of you that are doubting, remember Peter. It takes a step of faith. Peter had to first get out of the boat, and then he walked on the water. He took the step of faith first. And I think for those of you that love someone who is doubting, those of you that are doing life with someone who's, who's struggling with doubt and um, got lots of questions or not living as, as you think they should be living, I think in the same way that Jesus went to a doubting Thomas, Jesus extended his hand to sinking Peter The people in your world are Peter and Thomas for you. You get to go and extend your hand and love the people in your world that have doubts. You get to be the love. You get to be Jesus to them. Some of you may know that my dad passed away when I was a little kid. He died suddenly of a blood clot um, in his lung early one morning when I was just five years old. He was only 36. It left my mum alone with three young children. We were five, eight and 10 at the time. That's, that's tough, hey? But, but I think it raised a lot of questions for me as a kid growing up. Big, hard questions and a lot of doubt and, and really deep thinking. Stuff that kids probably don't normally grapple with. And I would lie in bed at night and cry out to God and say, God, are you really even there? Why did you let my dad die? I want my dad back. And it was a time of searching and doubting. Is God even real? If God really loved me, how could he let this happen? where is my dad now? What if we all just die and go back to the ground? And I would cry and pray, God, if you're even there, show me. Show me. And it's through that season that I learned and I heard things for the first time about Jesus. I heard that he loved me more than anyone ever had. Even more than my dad had. And even though I was so sad and broken, I learned that Jesus had me in the palm of his hand. I learned that Jesus had a way for me. I learned that he had a plan and a purpose for my life and I learned that I will get to see my dad one day again in heaven when we're reunited. But in the meantime, I also experienced his peace. I became aware of God's presence and I felt him comfort me in my hurting heart. I think if there's any proof at all, What Jesus did in me is proof. I was sad and lost and confused. And then I felt his love and his presence. As I grew to have a firm foundation, a sense of God being with me, of his hand on my life, guiding me. And I knew, I actually just knew that I was going to be okay. I would be all right. But God's peace and His love had a profound effect on me. But I also learned about faith. I learned that faith isn't the absence of doubt because there were times when doubts would creep up on me. But faith is the means to push through those doubts. And as I took a step toward Jesus, and then another, and another, and over the years as I grew older, God actually became a constant source of strength and peace on the inside of me. Regardless of what was happening on the outside, that's how good he is. And that's why I follow him still now. Doubt is not the enemy of faith, but it's an invitation to a deeper faith. Why don't you stand with me this morning and we'll pray together and um, if your music guys want to come again. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this great church and for this great group of people and... Thank you for this very imperfect church and the imperfect people. And we all come, Lord, in our imperfections. None of us are perfect. But thank you, God, that we get to do life together. God, for those here that are in pain and carry hurt, for situations that don't seem fair, or for those that have questions that they can't find answers to, for those that have some spiritual doubts we ask today that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would do a healing work. We pray, Lord, that you would provide answers and guidance and clarity for these people going forwards. For people here that don't know if they can trust you, God. I thank you that during our conversations during morning tea and in our live groups and in our kids' church, I pray that our community would just be a really safe place to ask those hard questions. I pray that people would feel that they can, can start to trust you and can trust the people around that they're, they're mixing with, that we're doing life with, God, and that together we're all on a journey. I pray, God, for those who may be doubting, that they would recognize it, that they would know that the doubt doesn't deny their faith and it would urge them on to seek answers, to dig deeper, to find find answers, Lord. And God, we don't shame. We just keep pursuing you together. And as best we can, we keep searching and trusting and following you. And God, if there are some things along the way that we've picked up, some things that are not true, that are harmful, that are far from your heart God give us the wisdom to remove those things to not believe them to let them go so that we can believe what is true and what brings you honor thank you God for being kind and loving to us even when we have doubts guide us and help us to lean in even if it feels easier to walk away give us tenacity to hang in there and Help us just to love others like you loved. Help us to support and reach out to people that, are, that need us. Help us to be the light and love to those that we do life with. We praise you and we worship you and thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.